Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. If you're joining us for the first time, thank you for listening. And if you are tuning in again, welcome back. And lastly, if you find today's episode or any of these episodes of this podcast to be helpful or insightful, please follow and rate this podcast on whatever platform you're using. The more followers and ratings we get, the more we can help people like you. And without further ado, let's get started. In case you didn't know, uh, as a college student, I actually had the opportunity to swim uh, in college at Villanova Division One as a distance athlete. I grew up in a long distance program. I could do freestyle uh, and I joined the Villanova swim team being their distance specialist and retiring from swimming, I needed a new training modality. And that's actually where I ended up getting involved with CrossFit. And one thing that I really loved about CrossFit uh, one of the many things that I loved about CrossFit was its ability to change the intensities and also the amount of work that you do. I found that I thrived really well in the longer distance workouts. My favorite CrossFit workout is the triple three, as well as the Murph workout, which is going to be coming up in Memorial Day. And so working with people who are dealing with chronic pain, chronic sciatica pain, I've also worked with a lot of uh, endurance athletes and a lot of people who do endurance events are experiencing some of these chronic aches and pains. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to actually have a professional who coaches endurance athletes on today's show. So today's guest is Mike Watson. He is the manager and trainer at Catalyst Fitness in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. He is an avid trail runner, cyclist, and duathlete, and the owner of CEO Endurance, providing remote bike and running coaching to get you ready to be a boss on race day. And the website is ceoendurance.com. Mike, thank you so much for having, uh, taking the time out of your day to be on today's episode. Very excited to be here, Ashley. Thank you. Cool. So we're going to hop right into it, Mike. Can you tell us a little bit more um, about yourself, how you got into endurance training, and then we'll hop right into our, our questions of the day? For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of came into it a bit of a different way than you did. Um, I always, I describe myself still now, I'm, I'm 43, but I've always been the most okay athlete at everything. Um, so high school sports, I was decent. Um, you know, going into university, I played a couple of just rec sports and, and but I always ran um, to stay in, in shape. And, and long before I knew how to train properly, I would just go and go for a run, right? Um, and so we started Catalyst, Chris Cooper started Catalyst and I jumped on board right away back in 2005, um, primarily as a powerlifting gym. So there's a couple of years where I got full on into powerlifting and loved it, loved being strong, you know, loved the way I felt, loved the process of doing the training of, of powerlifting. Um, and, but I went for runs all the time and I was still, you know, enjoying it. I kind of realized that if I wanted to make a life as a coach, I needed to find my niche and, and coach people in, in doing the things that I loved. Um, and so kind of threw myself right into it, signed up for the Ottawa marathon and went through a traditional, you know, 16, 18 week training program where every Sunday I was out on the, the road for progressively longer and longer and longer. If you know anything about Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, 
um, it's, it's snowy and it's icy in the winter. So I was spending a lot of time out in the, the snow and ice by myself, listening to the same music over and over again. Uh, and I did okay. I, I finished that first run, but I was hooked uh, on distance running. I was hooked on the process of training, but I really still liked a lot of the strength stuff. And I really wanted to find a way to marry that together. Um, we started CrossFit, I would got to say 2008, 2009. We've been doing it now for about 14 years at our gym. And I loved CrossFit as well. threw myself into CrossFit um, and really found that I could kind of tie a lot of CrossFit together into the endurance work and that I actually ran a lot faster uh, on those longer runs when I was doing CrossFit. Problem with that is the volume killed me. Um, you know, I became a, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brian McKenzie and the CEO endurance model that was popular for a little while. I followed that to a T and was just wrecked all the time, all the time, because um, it was a lot of volume. And um, so I've constantly kind of evolved my my process of thinking and, and working with my own training, but also with with athletes. And uh, I kind of I found in the last couple of years this real balance between the importance of going easy, training instead of competing, um, but also really building everything that we do in the endurance training with a solid base of strength. Um, so there's a nice balance there. So it's a nice tie in with what you do, because I think with, with a lot of sciatica and pain issues that we're going to talk about with running and uh, cycling, maybe in another episode, if you don't have that strength balance to start from, then your, your, your um, foundation sucks, right? It's, there's always going to be a hole that's going to poke itself out when the volume becomes too much or when we don't have enough of, of what we need. So um I, I actually fell out of love with trail running a couple of years ago just because I was getting hurt a lot, right? The the pounding on the road started to take its toll on my hips and my knees. And um, I can't, got out of shape. I got, you know, a little overweight after we had a kid and uh, just, you know, found excuses not to train. And then um, three years ago now, someone had posted a, um, an hour, like a, a race entry that they weren't going to use for this super crazy endurance trail run. And it kept me up late at night thinking about it. And I realized like I needed that thing to scare me just a little bit to get tra training again. And now like, I still literally don't run on the road unless I have to, but I'm, I'm like an addicted trail runner. So that's where I'm at today. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, I haven't experimented with trail running. I, I I'm very into uh, trail walking or I guess they call it hiking. Um, out here in California, but um, so much respect to that. Um, yeah, there's a, definitely a lot of time uh, spent training um, for endurance events like trail running, cycling, and everything like that. You make a very good point. I'm so glad you brought that up is the concept of having a very strong foundational base of strength because we want to be able to treat our bodies as machines. I like to usually, I usually use the analogy that our bodies are cars. And ultimately we are performance vehicles and it's important for us to have a strong frame so we can take on all the stresses that we take on through the day. And whenever I work with my clients, I like to tell them that they're, they're Ferraris, you're a Ferrari. You want to have a rigid frame. You want to have that power, but then also you want to be able to go the distance and, and, uh, and take care of everybody so you can truly perform it and feel good. And so some of the listeners, I think one of the confusing, things that people get confused with they're, they're they're not having a very clear understanding of like what endurance training is or what an endurance athlete is I know for myself for me it's like long distance but for someone who's just like yo endurance training like what is it can you tell us a little bit more about what endurance training is what what, what that is yeah 
Yeah, I mean, we had talked about that a little while ago as a, as a potential topic for today, and I've, I've really been thinking about what it means to do endurance training. And the best answer I can come up with is that it's really personal and subjective. It's it's what's endurance for you. So, um, you know, I mentioned before we came on today that we're doing some zone two training with our athletes at the, the CrossFit gym. And what we're finding is that athletes who predominantly just do CrossFit aren't that well aerobically trained. It's very hard for them to stay in those low intensities um, and burn fat in you know that zone two, zone, zone three area. Um, so it's, it's different for everybody. Um, I, I think endurance training is just finding ways to go further, more effectively um, and injury-free, I think is, is the goal for everything, right? Um, you know, it might, might be somebody running the first 5K. It could be somebody running the first ma- marathon or ultra marathon or, you know, something even more insane than that. Uh, but it is very much personal and subjective to say this is all, this is me going a long way. <laughs> Um, and, and with some sort of economy too, right? It's not, it's not a sprint. Endurance training is not a sprint at all. Yeah, for sure. So it's like going longer distances, doing more of something without uh, getting fatigued. Um, you brought up this concept of uh, people pursuing like various different uh, fitness modalities. And it was like, okay, the, the aerobic capacity, the ability to do work. But if someone were to say like, okay, here's this, why would someone start considering uh, endurance training, adding that into their to their routine or pursuing the longer distances? A big why. <laughs> um, and that's, I mean, that's something that I get asked all the time. Like, why would you want to run 50 miles? Why would you run, you know, want to run X number of uh, distance? Like, you know, you talk to some people who running is a, a you know, a four letter word, right? It's, it's, it's not fun. Um, I, I find it fun. I, I like the challenge of it. I think that's why a lot of people will get into more endurance training is because one of two reasons, they look for the challenge and, and need something to train for. I'm very much that kind of quote unquote athlete where if I don't have something on the horizon that I'm just a little bit scared of, I have a very hard time like motivating myself to, you know, just tie my shoes and get going in the morning. So that's, that's one of the ways that I keep myself going. I think for other people, um, I think as they get into, you know, an age of 40s like I am and, and beyond, going hard all the time in the gym or in training is is a great way to beat yourself down and, and kind of be sore all the time. Uh, and I think a lot of people as they get into their 40s, 50s, 60s really gravitate towards endurance training because it, it can be a little bit less, um, you know, strenuous uh, and something that you can do without any sort of, you know, gym membership or access to barbells and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a big why question. My wife uh, asked me sometimes, like, well, why do you like going out for four or five hours on a trail? And for me, a lot of it is like, it, I love the physical challenge for sure. I like getting into that pocket where it's hard, but it, I know I can keep going for a long time. Um, and I use it as, you know, it's almost my like therapy where I can go for a couple of hours and either figure out all of the problems in the universe and in my life, or I can shut my brain off completely and just, you know, be one with, with nature and one with my body. So uh, that why I think is really subjective to a lot of people too. It's, it's, you know, I think the big thing for a lot of people is like, I wonder if I can do this. Um, And then once they show themselves that they kind of can do it, there's that, there's that motivator sometimes I think, or a lot of times to say, can I do this better? And that's where I come in with the coaching. 
Right on. I, uh, I'm right there with you in regards to like why, why I do endurance training. Like one, um, I just happen to be pretty decent at it or pretty okay <laughs> at it. So it's nice yeah. <laughs> to work on something. I'm pretty okay with it, but like, yeah, solving a lot of, a lot of mental problems is kind of like my, I kind of reach like this meditative state that allows me to kind of like work some, any sort of issues that I'm experiencing internally, um, out. And, uh, I remember when I was swimming in college, or actually even when I was swimming as a, as a, as a young man, um, I would, <laughs> I would solve math problems as I'm swimming. Um, I don't know how I was able to do that. I miscounted a lot of my, my training sets a lot because of the fact that I was too preoccupied, but especially now as an adult, what I found um, as an adult and as a physical therapist, it actually gives me the opportunity to put myself in the uh, shoes, theoretical shoes of another person who's yeah. going through uh, the same exercise modalities. And it actually gave me an even more in-depth perception of how to break uh, running, which is what we're going to be talking about mainly today, um, and how to and make it more efficient, how to reduce the risk of injury. And then also for the listeners out here who are currently experiencing pain, but want to be able to get back into running or doing some sort of training or physical activity. Um, so one big thing people, people often think about, okay, endurance training, marathon running, oh my gosh, that's so painful. Like, how do you endure so much pain for such a long period of time? And I think that people often miscategorize the difference between uh, true pain, like something's actually getting physically damaged and mm -hmm. discomfort um, and also even just like working through an injury. So yeah, as an endurance coach, um, how, how do you help your clients separate an understanding of like, okay, you're experiencing pain. Pain is like, okay, this is where your body's getting beaten up. The discomfort that just comes with long distance things. And then, all right, you have an injury, like how to deal with that. It's a very long question. I'm ready to, to open the doors for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the, the biggest thing in terms of coaching, uh, and I'm sure this is the same thing in, in clinical practice, is asking good questions. Right. You know, if, if we say, does it hurt here? Or does it hurt there? If it's a yes or no question, then it's very hard to get good information. But if we do things like you said, where we walk the walk and talk the talk and um, do the things that we're asking our athletes to experience, we kind of tend to understand the situations they're putting themselves in. Um, you know, I work with a really uh, good uh, chiropractor occasionally in town who asks good questions. And that's the reason I, I go to him is because he asks, you know, how much time have you been spending on your bike? Where is your, you know, if I'm doing whip uh, sessions on, on the train or in the, in the winter time, where's your monitor place? So same thing with running is we can start to ask a lot of questions to say, well, you know, what situations have you been putting yourself in? What kind of terrain have you been running on? You know, what, what's the situation with your shoes? How have you been sleeping? Um, and we want to start building a real story. So we, A, develop a relationship with that client, um, but also understand what it feels like to be in their, their place, right? Was it, you know, was it something that has been coming on for a couple of weeks or is it something that was an acute injury injury, right? Um, so a lot of it is, is really developing that relationship with clients. And I tend to keep a pretty small client base with my endurance coaching just for that reason, so that I can keep that active relationship with a small group of people who 
you know, I can develop that relationship with and talk to them on a daily basis to find out what's affecting. So, um, th- I mean, from there on in, uh, I really want to watch them move, right? You know, ideally, I get to see them in action. So uh, I'll either go out on the road with them or on the trail with them and and see them move. Uh, I'll get them in the gym and get them to go through full range of motion or attempt to go through full range of motion in things that they should be able to do. Uh, and runners are notorious for not being able to go through full range of motion in a lot of different postures. Um, so just having that understanding of what's, what's a normal presentation for an athlete and what an impaired presentation is for that athlete um, goes a long way to say, is something wrong? Is it a, you know, a one out of 10 or is it a 10 out of 10 where we really have to take it, you know, as an injury and take some time off? That's so awesome. Yeah. I, I've seen your website. I was trying to figure out, I was like, oh, what's the capacity in regards to like an endurance coach working with an athlete? Because I, I'll tell you what, I, I work with clients who are, are marathon runners <clears throat> and they say, I start to hurt really bad in my joints by like mile 18. And in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to run 18 miles with you. Um, that, that, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. So, uh, Why don't you run by my, run by my house at mile yeah, 18, would you? <laughs> exactly. And so being able, but being able to see them move with the range of motions, with their capacity is definitely really huge. Um, be able to just take a look and, and I, and I love the fact that you said asking good questions because asking questions is a very important thing. And that's what separates, say, reading like a PDF, a PDF of like, okay, do these stretches or do this, do this training program as compared to working with a professional as yourself, or even like a physical therapist like myself, is that we need to ask these questions to get a true understanding of what is going on uh, with the scenario, whether it be trying to resolve pain, whether it be trying to over um, to, to add more capacity to, to your training program. Um, so the, the aspect of coaching and working with someone definitely helps us provide a much more specific recommendation as compared to just follow this program, because there's so many, uh, there's countless articles about like how to run a, a marathon in 12 weeks or something like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're working with someone, you definitely get that individualized care, which is uh, really huge. So yeah, I think just just sorry, just to finish off that that broad question, um, developing that relationship is one thing, but knowing how to analyze things, there's a lot of data out there now, right? Sometimes I think there's too much data available for for stuff like running, right? I ran my first two marathons with this. Um, it might have been a women's uh, Casio watch. It was red, and by the time I was done with it, it was pink. Um, it didn't have any information on it except for time. So I was like you on the mile splits. I was going, well, okay, well, I'll do the math. And then I spent the next mile trying to figure out the math. Um, but now there's so much data available to us. You know, we, we, at bare minimum, we've got heart rate, right? So that's going to give us an indicator of, you know, somebody's running at this pace when they're nor- normally healthy and they're feeling good, does heart rate skyrocket because something's happening? Um, what's their, you know, their steps per minute? It's really basic data can help us to look at it and say, why was this a different training day? And that can lead to back to those questions again. Uh, I think as a coach, if you do, if you're only looking at the data and you're so data driven that you forget that you're working with a human, then that's where problems start to arise for sure, for sure. We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. 
If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the sciatica protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. Now, having an on-demand physical therapist can cost thousands plus hours of sessions. But with the sciatica protocol, you'll receive the same, if not better, customized care completely free. And why are we making this program free? Because I believe that everyone deserves to live free from pain without actually having cost be the biggest obstacle. It is simple to start and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. Humans, we're working with humans and to be able to put everything in the context. I love that data. It's either you either get too much data and it's overwhelming or you're not getting enough data and you're kind of just like hoping for the best. So yeah, exactly. Right on. So let's take a deep dive into running, right? So um, if you're listening, you're experiencing sciatic pain, you want to get back into running, this is the, the, this is going to be the meat and potatoes for you. So, um, some like runner, like, yeah, Mike, can you tell us a little bit more about like the, the benefits of running? Like why would someone want to run versus not run? Great question. Uh, cardiovascular health first and foremost, right? Um, I think even if someone is on the, the fence, you know, we said it's a really broad spectrum of running around the block or running around, um, you know, the, the planet, <laughs> um, but, you know, at, at bare minimum cardiovascular fitness, we know, um, you know, there's, there's tons and tons of research and I think it's catching on and becoming a lot more popular to look at things and say, well, are we aerobically training ourselves? And if we're aerobically training ourselves, we set ourselves up for, you know, better fat metabolism. We set ourselves up for, um, you know, better, um, fat burning, uh, adipose tissue using fat in our diets. Um, it helps us to deal with stress, like you said, you know, mental stress, physical stress. Um, it does provide a, pr- a pretty good, um, certainly lower body, sometimes poor workout. Uh, it does have a lot of benefits if we do it in the right amounts and we do it um, in a way that's, that's not going to injure ourselves further. Um, I've always said to people, if running feels terrible, stick with it for at least five minutes and then see how it feels again. You know, there are some kind of physiological things that happen in the first three to five minutes of going for a run that make everybody hate running, right? You know, just in the way our energy systems work, I have it where I know the house in my neighborhood where I start to feel good when I go out for a run, right? It's like three minutes in, first three minutes, I don't feel good. I feel tight. I feel, you know, out of breath. I feel like I might've eaten too much the day before. And then all of a sudden I'll have that shift into that aerobic zone. But, um, yeah, there's tons of benefits. I mean, we can use it to support a lot of different activities. You know, running can help us get ready for, you know, the demands of a physical job, like a firefighter, police officer, paramedic. It can help us to um, really open up our hips and get moving after a day of sitting at a desk, which we all know is not a great way to spend eight hours of the day. Um, you know, it can help us to do a lot of things that reverse the things that we do to ourselves in other parts of our day, for sure. Do you agree with that? I agree a hundred percent. Um, I think, uh, yeah, as long as we're doing it correctly with the right dosage, yeah, we're going to be able to get some endless amounts of benefits from running. And I think, 
interesting enough, this kind of translates into the next question I'm going to ask you, but um, interesting enough, I, I, I found, I found this Instagram post, I think it was posted by maybe squat university or another Instagram account that's run by a physio. And it was so showing scientific research that um, apparently non-runners experience a little bit more arthritis than runners themselves, which is interesting. Um, hmm. I'm going to try to find that reference listeners. I'm going to put the link of that reference into the show notes today. So then that way you can get a little bit more of an idea, but there's, there's so many benefits to running if done correctly, which then yeah. brings me up to the next spot where there is a large group of people, which includes medical professionals and fitness professionals, and then just normal people who actually say that running is bad for you, um, whether it yeah. be for your joints cardiovascularly, um, as a, as a coach, uh, as a person who works with runners, what do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, you and I have come from similar backgrounds, right? We've, we've lived a CrossFit life um, and, and the, that, that um, environment is ripe for those same kind of messages. Um, if done right, if done safely, if done with good technique and done in the right dose, CrossFit's fantastic, right? It's fun, you can do it with your friends. Same thing with running. If you get, you know, if you get some proper instructions so that you're doing things well, you're moving biomechanically well, um, you know, you're following a strength program that helps you to have some balance around those joints that we're talking about potential injury or damage to, then it can be fantastic, right? But it is, it's, it's putting it in the right brackets. It's saying that we're doing this with some good support around it. I think any physical endeavor, I mean, I worked with a couple of hockey players this morning. I love hockey. You know, I love hockey players because they'll do, they'll run through a wall if you tell them to, they don't have, but you kind of have to tell them, no, you don't have to do that. Right. So if all those guys did was play hockey, they're going to end up with some injuries. But if we give them a good solid training program in the off season, then we're going to support what they do on the ice. And I think that's really, um, that's really important for running is that running on its own potentially, I think is a, a slippery slope that you can go one way or the other on, but running with some good flexibility uh, and with a good strength training program and with the proper dosage and biomechanics can be an awesome experience, right? Um, I'm 43. Um, I'm a super, super, super huge hypocrite in terms of stretching uh, and mobility work. Um, and up until recently, I hadn't put a lot of, um, you know, a lot of attention into my own self-care. Uh, until I started to have some hip issues and my hip issues were coming from running uh, um, because I was doing a lot of stuff this winter. Um, I was training for a 30 some kilometer uh, winter trail race and um, we just had terrible weather where it was icy outside. So I spent a lot of time this winter on the treadmill. And when you spend a lot of time on the treadmill, it's a lot of the same thing over and over and over again, right? That treadmill is pulling you through. Uh, if you're not changing things up a lot, it's just repetition, 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 and repetition in any joint of our body causes some sort of wear down or breakage, right? You know, that old adage that if you just start to gently bend a pencil, it's not going to break the pencil. But if we do that to that pencil all day, at some point, it's just going to snap apart in our hands. Um, you know, I've worked with a coach. I think you know Josh Grinnell through a uh, mutual colleague of ours through Two Brain. Uh, he's my coach. And so we were talking about it. He's like, you really got to be stretching. And um, I went through a couple of weeks of listening to his advice and I texted him a couple of weeks ago and said, Hey, this, my hip feels good. If I do the stretching, he goes, 
<laughs> I don't want to swear on the podcast. But he goes, no, no, uh, uh, no, no way. Like, no way it helps. He's like, he goes, you should probably listen more often. And I think that's, you know, if we have that balance, we understand that when things start to, when we start to realize that there's an issue, we want to look at what the issue is and do the things to either mitigate it or avoid it, right? So um, certainly working with a good coach or with a good trainer um, can help you to do that. Listening to your own body can do that as well, right? If things start to hurt, we want to figure out, well, why does that hurt? You know, you go back to your guy who said, or guy or girl who said, you know, my joints really start to ache at 18 miles. Probably, right? <laughs> you know, that's a lot of mileage. Um, but also what I'll always tell my clients is, well, why? Let's figure out why. Because that's a great way to spend some time when you're out on a run is to say, well, now my hip is starting to get sore. Why? And what can I do about it? Right? You know, is it because my feet are now hitting the ground really, you know, really rigidly? Have I started doing that for some reason? Am I dehydrated? You know, do I need to stop and stretch on this park bench? Um, but you want to start doing that self-diagnostic from ground up and say, well, why is this happening and how can I stop it from happening? Is it because I'm doing too much volume? Is it because I'm doing, you know, I'm not doing my stretching? Um, so yeah, I, I think long answer short, running can be fantastic if we support it with good things. Running can be a disaster if we don't put those good supports in around it, for sure. You bring up a very amazing point about the concept of like a self-diagnostic, like a self-check. Um, what I find a lot of the people that I work with, it turns out that a lot of people kind of have this, um, it's either like an outer body experience where they're not like checking in on themselves in regards to like how they're feeling or they're just completely ignoring it. And one of the amazing, there's many amazing things about us being human compared to animals, but with our human brains, we're actually able to overcome and bypass all those alarms that are telling us something needs to be changed. And uh, one there, there's a chiropractor, Dr. Perry Nicholson, who is the stop chasing pain on Instagram guy. And he said that pain was a signal for a change. It's a signal to say, you need to reevaluate what you're doing because what you're doing at this point is causing this to be happening. And so when I go, would go for a run, I, I trained for a marathon in nine weeks. Uh, that was when I was kind of like in peak CrossFit shape. And um, even as an endurance one, people are always like, man, you've done all these like long distance events. You must be so freaking tough. And I would tell them I'm actually not a very tough person to begin with, <laughs> but when I'm doing all these activities and the pain or the discomfort is coming on, being able to designate, okay, discomfort, my muscles are working hard and pushing myself physically. But if I am starting to feel an ache or a pain, I go into diagnostic mode saying, okay, what am I doing? that is causing these sensations to be happening. And I think, okay, what can I do so I can, what can I do to finish this race faster or finish this training session faster with less pain? And then all of a sudden yeah. things start to evolve. So being able yeah. to look inside is really, really key um, when it comes to overcoming that. For sure. I, I kind of have a, a saying in the gym, you know, or with working with clients out on the road or in the trail that, when their posture isn't great or their form isn't great um and they say well is it okay and i'll say you'll get away with it until you don't right you know we can do a lot of things like endure pain 
or endure discomfort. But if we're not doing, you know, using it as a catalyst for change or a catalyst for figuring out the why, then at some point it's going to bite us in the butt, right? So, um, yeah, we, you know, with some endurance stuff and, and certainly the longer distance stuff, you do have to have, you know, a, a tolerance for some discomfort. And, and it's a learning process to decide, well, is this discomfort something I can deal with for today? And if it is, great. But is it going to impact my entire, uh, you know, my year, my life, my job, my, my own relationship with my kids? Um, now, I used to be, this is a bit off, off tangent, but I used to be really driven to, to finish an event. And I'd be like, you know what, when I get this done in this event, I can be able to do everything I want to do. I'm going to be like, you know, take on the world. And then I get down the event and I'd say, well, now what, you know, and then because I don't have that next thing to drive for. Uh, and one of uh, our friends who shares some office space with here, uh, a psychotherapist, uh, Bonnie Skinner, we talked about it in terms of endurance training. And she said, you know, you have to figure out where your drive for this training and where your, you know, what you're going to feel like, what you're going to look like what you're going to be able to do or not be able to do when your event is over fits into the grand scheme of your life, right? It's not where does it fit into this 18 weeks of training? It's like, well, where does this fit into your year, your decade, your, you know, your existence? So um, that's been a good perspective change for me to say, you know, in a training session or in a race, do I want to push this today and not be able to go play, uh, you know, hockey or soccer with my kid? Or do I, do I want this to impact my sleep, right? Um, but it all comes back to, to knowing what that self-diagnosis diagnosis process should look like and, and being, I don't know, humble is the right word, but, um, you know, being able to actually stop and say, can I look at this or can I ask somebody for help to help me fix this, right? So, um, yeah, discomfort comes with physical activity and it should if we're doing it, you know, at a, at a decent amount of exertion, um, but pain shouldn't come from that. And if it does, then we need to fix it. Amen to that, my friend. And so, like, let's talk about pain. Um, if people Google, like, common running injuries, like, you're going to see a lot. Um, there's there's going to be everything. Um, as a coach yourself, um, what have you seen in your years of coaching of things that are commonly seen in relation to running-related injuries? <laughs> well, let's start from the ground. Um, uh, I mean, arch and, and uh, Achilles injuries, um, you know, um, issues with feet. Um, uh, definitely looking at knee and hip issues, um, you know, those knee and hip issues. And I think the, a lot of the stuff with the Achilles and the feet can be looked at in a couple of different ways. So if we're, we're having somebody, especially new runners who are, um, you know, you just you got that pair of running shoes and you're heading out and you're saying, I want to become a runner. Um, having some guidance on that, you know, joining one of these coach to 5k type running groups or hiring a coach is a great way to kind of, to get yourself running properly. What I always tell people is we don't want to run on your toes. We don't want to run on your heels. And a lot of times I will videotape people running and show them exactly what they're hitting against the ground. Um, but we want to have that foot relaxed midfoot strike, and we want it to be as soft as possible. Um, I think everybody's familiar with the movie Shrek. You know, you don't want to run like a Shrek. You do. You want to run very soft and quietly. And I used to, when we our gym was was downtown on our waterfront, we had this really nice long boardwalk. And I used to get our new runners to practice running on the boardwalk, which is loud, and sneak up on people. I, I said, I want you to try and get as 
close to those people without them hearing you come, which is a little bit, <laughs> you know, it wasn't fair to the people they were sneaking up on. But, um, but if you can run softly, chances are you're absorbing the shock of your body coming down on the ground a little bit better than if you are smack, smack, smack all the time, right? And you can see that at any, any running event, whether you go to your local 5K or the end of a marathon, you know, if you go to the start line and, and stand maybe a couple of kilometers out, the group's going to go by you and it's going to, you, you're going to hear feet hitting the ground, but it's going to be fairly quiet. And if you went around and went to the finish line of that event, you're going to hear some noise, right? Because as people get tired, foot strike becomes one of the first things that falls apart and we really start to hammer the ground. And as soon as we start hammering the ground, that, that stress has to be absorbed somewhere. And the foot is going to be the obvious first thing in the chain where it has a lot of work to do. And if you're a heavier person, it's got a lot of work to do. I forget what the, the multiplier of force is, but it's like, you know, several times your own body weight is, is being projected into the ground every time you step. So, um, you know, just really learning how to, to, to run softly and keep your foot on the ground and underneath you as much as possible and on the ground as little as possible uh, is going to help like step one is going to set the whole chain in motion, in my opinion. Knees and hips will often come down to the same thing. Those, you know, if the foot's not doing its job, the knee's next in line. Certainly the shins are next in line too. And we can talk about shin splints a little bit. Um, but the knees and hips are almost going to always come down to that impact, but they're also going to come down to uh, the strength that we have around the joint and the balance of that strength around the joint and also how we're taking care of the soft tissues that impact that joint, right? We do damage to our body no matter what we do exercise-wise. So if we lift weights, we're, you know, we're tearing micro tears in the muscles, we're putting stress on the connective tissues, and we have to take care of them. The same thing with running is, you know, we're just doing that on a more repetitive basis. Um, we see a lot of knee issues, I think, creep up initially too. And, and I think with knees and hips, and, and I think with sciatica, like you deal with, you can really look at it and say, well, what is happening upstream from that joint that's impacting the whole pain feeling, right? And I think with a lot of people with the knee, especially women who are a little bit more, you know, I don't know if this is a video or audio podcast, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using my hand. Um, but, you know, just the way a women's hip structure is, they are a little bit more predisposed to having like a patellofemoral uh, IT band syndrome. Um, and so they're really good at becoming quad dominant. And I think a lot of runners will miss out on having a strong posterior chain, right? Having your hamstrings, your glutes and your lower back working strongly together as a team, because that's the most powerful unit of strength we have in our entire body, right? And that unit of strength moves us forward. So it's crazy to watch runners who you can look at and say, well, that person doesn't even have a bump. They probably don't have a posterior chain at all. Um, and so just figuring out that balance and really teaching people, A, good mechanics, um, and B, how to make those powerful muscles work together will often help mitigate or, or eliminate a lot of that knee and hip pain. That and, and good, you know, foam rolling, stretching, mobility work. So um, shin splints are an interesting one too, right? Oh, for because, sure. Yeah. Because if you have shin splints, everything in your life is about the shin splints you have. You know, you can't walk up and down the stairs. You can't walk on bare floor. Um, and shin splints essentially are like, you know, those micro tears on tibialis anterior, that muscle that runs right down the outside of your shin. And when it gets inflamed, it really has like a shock absorber property to it. Um, so there's a couple of things we can do there too. We can start, like I said, about learning how to run properly, right? 
if someone really is pounding the ground, that's one of the small muscles that's going to take a lot of heat. And, um, you know, it's not as big as, as your calves. So it has a bigger, you know, uh, it has a hard job to do. So there's two things we can do. We can either have the foot hit the ground properly um, and we can strengthen that muscle. And well, three things, sorry. We can also get that muscle ready for action. So uh, any, any good exercise program is going to include a good warm up. So if someone is predisposed to shin splints or they are a new runner or somebody who's new to the activity, putting together a good warm up routine um, that's going to help them get ready for what is going to affect them is essential, right? So with a lot of athletes that I work with who are newer, we'll have them take that lacrosse ball and roll out their arches. You know, if they're sitting at their desk and they know they're off work in half an hour and they're going to get out and go for that run and they're taking their shoes off, rolling out the arches of their feet, um, kind of to get that soft tissue uh, and those adhesions all broken up, they're going to take that lacrosse ball and rub up and down the side of that shin and get that muscle ready. Same thing with the calves. And then they're going to go through their, you know, their dynamic stretching before they go. Hopefully, again, I'm a bit of a hypocrite on that where I like to run myself into warm up um, more often than not. But for my clients, I'll really start to put together a warm up routine for them. And that's based on what they feel and what they're reporting, you know, post run and during run. So. I love that. Freaking love that, man. Um, here's a really interesting thing, uh, interesting fact about the, the sciatic nerve, because the sciatic nerve um, extends all the way from the low back and it reaches all the way down to the foot. But what a lot of people don't know is the fact that the sciatic nerve splits right behind the knee. And what it ends up doing is the fact that once that nerve splits, it supplies both motor and sensation to the front, back, and in, in the bottom side. So um, one thing that I found is someone who has had very chronic shin splints, if they're like, oh my gosh, Ashley, I've been trying to like fix my like foot mechanics and like foam rolling. One thing that I would often do would I would actually assess their low back and I would actually like push and pull on them. And what's really interesting is the fact that, um, yeah, if the sciatic nerve is irritated anywhere along that chain, it can actually present itself in the lower leg. So presenting as like shin splints, Achilles tendonitis, all that other stuff. So it really ties into this big concept of, um, and I'm glad that when you broke the, when you revealed the injury, share the injuries that you like went like body part by body part, like going up and down the chain, because the body works as like one big functional unit. Yes, there are like various different joints, but looking at the entire body, how it interacts with each other, that is a very huge, important part when it comes to managing injuries, overcoming that, um, and, and really just going to the, to the next step, getting even just, uh, living life back into, you know, going back into normal activity. So, um, now that it's like we we talked about like the importance of uh mechanics which is going to be helping out with injury prevention but also possibly even treating injuries um and then also we've talked about the concept of mechanics on improving uh efficiency the ability to do things faster and quicker so mm -hmm. um there's probably people who are listening to this episode right now who are endurance athletes were endurance athletes or want to get involved with endurance endurance sports like running, but they're so scared because they're either come there. They either have like a fresh pain, fresh sciatic pain, or they're, they, they know that they need to be active to help relieve their pain. So if 
people are battling with pain right now and they're like, okay, I want to get involved with running, but they're, they're probably in too much pain to run, but they want to get the heart rate up and like do the longer periods of work. Um, what are your recommendations for them to start or, or on how to start uh, like an endurance program? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think what we talked about before is that different activities will benefit the thing we want to do, right? So if I want to run and I just can't, because I've got a foot issue or I'm dealing with that, you know, shin splints or something like that, getting on a, a bike or doing walking or getting onto the trail, like you're doing and doing some hiking. Um, it's, it's finding the, it's finding the, the best doable option uh, is a term we use a lot. Um, I work uh, in another capacity doing a, a coaching certification course as well. And we're talking to new coaches who are going to work usually in CrossFit gyms about, you know, taking on this big picture of a training program or habit change, right? If we want to get someone to eat better or get into a running program or doing their, their exercises or their stretches to fix their sciatica pain, sometimes that big picture can be really like overwhelming, right? You know, and so what I want to do as a coach is say, well, what's the thing you can do right now? You know, you can't run right now because of a number of different reasons, pain, um, you know, uh, injury, whatever it is, what can I do that's going to help me to do something good towards my goal? So, you know, is that jumping on a bike or is it, um, you know, doing some kind of zone two aerobic type activity with some kettlebells or, um, you know, you name it, any sort of modality, doing something is always better than nothing, right? Um, and, and with endurance training, because it often happens at such a lower intensity, we don't have to be that, you know, that uh, Instagram version of a CrossFitter who's just flopping on the ground at the end of a workout. Really, 80% of an endurance program should be what we call training, right? And 20% is going to be higher intensity or competing. And that 80% can be at a very, very low intensity and still be very effective at, you know, getting us better aerobically so that when we do have the mechanics and the, you know, the biomechanics together that are going to help us move the way we want to move. We've got the engine to do it. Um, there's no wrong way to get aerobically fit. You know, our heart and our lungs don't decide, Hey, this guy's on a bike today. We're not ready for, you know, heart and lungs aren't ready for that. Your legs might not be ready for that motion of cycling because they haven't done it, but your aerobic system is going to help them to keep up. Right. So, you know, heart and lungs don't get to decide I'm fit for this, but not for this. Um, so getting moving is, is step one for sure, you know, not waiting until everything's perfect. And I think, I think if you spend any time in an, in an endurance activity, swimming, running, biking, you know, you, you name it, if you wait for that perfect day, you know, the perfect weather until you have the perfect outfit until you feel perfect, you're not going to be an endurance athlete for very long, um, you know you got to get out and do it sometimes. Um, but also just find the best way to get, get some work done. Yeah. Backing up a step or two. And then we talked about injuries and we, you know, you, you touched on the, the sciatic nerve. What's your opinion on running for sciatica? Um, great question. I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, well, I, I love running. I think running is great. I think, um, you brought up a really interesting concept of like something is better than nothing. And so, you, something is better than nothing also the concept of intensity and intensity is the degree of what gets done 
And so intensity itself, it's, it, it acts upon a spectrum. It's not like zero intensity and all of a sudden like a 10 out of 10 intensity. It's being able to see where you're falling on that spectrum. And so when it comes to dealing with sciatica pain, I often, I, I tell everyone, even on this podcast, that it is important for you to focus on doing more of the activities that actually reduce your pain or have no effect on your pain at all. And then to eliminate and or modify the activities that actually make your pain worse. And so if someone's saying to me, uh, I have sciatica pain, but when I run, it actually feels great. The pain goes away. I would tell them, fantastic. We got to get you running more. But then we also obviously have to take a deeper dive into regards to like why that's happening. But um, what I often tell people is to be able to step in and say, well, what what are you experiencing when you're running? And what I'll actually have them do is either have their spouse or their friend videotape them while they're running and trying to understand, okay, well, what is happening? Um, they're a very nice friend if that person's running with that, their <laughs> friend for 18 miles, right? But yeah, uh, yeah. what's gonna be really important to be able to, we break it down. And so the, the way I see it, um, and I got this from CrossFit, it was about the, the there was like this story where this, uh, we'll say this 50 year old, woman had back pain and then she went to the doctor and the doctor was like well you can't like you can't do deadlifts anymore and then it's like well am I allowed to pick up my grandson or am I allowed to pick up my grandkid uh, or even like pick this purse up off the ground it's like things that we have to do in life and running is an mm. essential skill that we need to do like if you have to run to catch a bus if you have to run to catch your kid and so for for us to limit ourselves like are we going to let our kid like jump into the pool and they can't swim? Like, because we're told that we shouldn't run. I, I mean, I think not. Right. I think it's important yeah. for us to be able to run and, and do these activities. So um, I think they're I'm right with you. Like there's definitely a lot of preparation that needs to be done to get people prepared, but um, even just taking a few short steps um, is, is really key. And yeah, I think with coaches like yourself, um, people like me, if we can say, well, what's happening during this running cycle, we can yeah. solve a lot of problems as compared to just saying blanket statement, running is bad for you. Um, yeah. Because uh, it's a very fun activity. And there are a lot of people who enjoy it. For sure. For sure. I think I think there's a good analogy in what we're doing in Catalyst right now, because before we, we started recording, I mentioned that we were starting to kind of shift our model now to doing more heart rate based training. So not that super competitive CrossFit training, but actually looking at overall health and getting everyone aerobically trained so that they burn fat better. And there's almost this, this message to the athletes right now that on certain days when they're supposed to keep their heart rate at a certain level, and usually they would grab that, you know, 35 pound kettlebell. If they can't keep their heart rate there, then they have to swallow their pride and go down until they've demonstrated the ability that, or sorry, they've demonstrated that they've earned the right to do something more. And I think with your your deadlifting example, and certainly with talking about running and, and injury, is that you have to find the effective dose for those activities that's right for you and your body and your conditioning and everything else. So you really, with running, have to show that you can run 100 meters before you can run 200 and you have to be able to run 200 effectively without pain before you can run a mile and on and on and on instead of just going out and saying hey running is just running as far as I can that's, that's the worst attitude you could have about running but 
you know, if you look at it and you structure it and say, I want the pieces around it, but I also want to slowly increase my ability to do that activity and demonstrate to myself that I can do it pain-free, then it's going to be a much more like um, healthy, but life, you know, it's going to be a longer pursuit for you. We've got a guy in the gym that is in that, that same example, been told not to deadlift. You know, he had some back pain a few years ago. He'll power clean like crazy. And I'm like, great. <laughs> you go on with your bad self because you're getting the same, you know, you're getting the same benefit from what you're doing. So, um, you know, finding that the best doable option for, for a runner or for any athlete is, is, is really good, but also, you know, making them go through the steps of progression to do what they want to do, as opposed to trying to tear off the eight or nine week marathon training program like you did. Right. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't feel great at the end of that eight or nine week marathon training program. Um, no, that is, no, <laughs> I was glad I got it done, but, but yeah, yeah. Um, so the key, the, the big part of these episodes is to, um, elicit action. And so, uh, if there was one tip, one action step that you would recommend for someone who's experiencing pain, whether it be sciatica, anything like sciatica, knee pain, anything, um, but yeah, if they're experiencing pain, but they want to get back into something like running what's the 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 most valuable tip or action step you can give them so they can get started talk to a professional and start slow um but also start with strength um you know running i think there's you know certain running running communities and the strength communities almost live separate from each other um i've always i think just because of my background with how we started at catalyst doing powerlifting I want someone to be a strong, badass runner who's like bulletproof. Um, and that does start with strength, right? It, has, it comes with, um, you know, a good strength balance around all those joints we talked about, the knees, the hips, the back, the feet. Um, to start with strength, but also find somebody who knows how to diagnose and correct the problems you're dealing with. Um, you know, whether it's that friend who's going to videotape you at mile 18 or, you know, what I used to do with my running groups is there, you, uh, at one of our old, locations is I would kind of hide behind this bush and videotape them as they ran by so they didn't know I was videotaping them right um kind of getting the the animal in their natural habitat um but it's, it's finding somebody who can diagnose what's going on with you and give you the steps to fix it um and I think to be honest with you finding someone who's going to keep you accountable to take the steps that you need to make that change right you know we talked about us being humans who sometimes need reminders earlier on and you know you play that role in in clinic uh and with your patients and i play that role in the gym and with my endurance clients is like you know you did you do the things you needed to do to get better you know some people are very good at doing that on their own but it does help to have somebody who um you know has that background and, and knows what to do to keep you accountable um i think 90 percent of 80 90 percent of my job as an endurance coach is is you know showing people the way and keeping them accountable to make sure they do the things they need to do to get better for sure programming is like the other 10 15 percent to be honest with you i love that so uh, accountability asking for help and get strong those are yeah. really really awesome action steps um for me personally i'm going to add in uh walk every day yeah i, I yeah. Luckily for me, I live in sunny California, so I can walk outside all the time. I try to get my 10,000 steps a day. 
but get walking, just get those joints moving. And then yeah, to run, um, jump off of Mike's point, ask for help. Um, you aren't alone in this journey. You don't have to go through this journey alone. There are people like Mike, myself, who are here, who've spent years and years and years studying all this stuff so that in that way you don't have to go through this suffering alone. So ask for help. Um, and so speaking of asking for help, Mike, how can people get in touch with you? If they're like, I want to get involved with endurance training. I want to get involved with running cycling. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, all my contact information is at my website, ceoendurance.com. Um, I also, I got to get back into writing. I was doing a Friday blog about all the kind of, um, crazy things that had happened to me while training and racing, um, some grosser than others, but, uh, definitely entertaining. Probably the most hits to my website have been for the, the blogs, but everything's there. Um, toendurance at gmail.com. Um, certainly, you know, send me a message. And even if you just want to chat about what I can do or, uh, if you need some advice, uh, I'm always I'm really, really excited to chat. Like I could do this all day. Um, this is the one thing I really like doing. So, uh, reach out. Don't be, don't be shy. And, um, uh, it's been great getting to chat about this with you. Thank you so much, Mike. Um, Mike's contact information will actually be in the show notes as well. So, um, in the event that you didn't get it, you can go ahead and check in the link in description today. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know that you're super busy and I'm so appreciative. Thank you. And it was so great. And I hope to talk all about cycling with you on another episode. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.